And really, Chris was carrying that us for many years. The second thing I want to honor you for, Chris, and thank you so much for, is for walking us in this journey with the healing rooms. And Bert and Jackie, I know, are very grateful as well. Most of you know that he is the director of the healing rooms in, in Reading um, at Bethel Church. And they have 940, is that what you said, volunteers that serve in the healing rooms. It's a giant, giant organization <laughs> of people. And, but the amazing thing to me is they have the same challenges and the same things. And it's always been so encouraging to talk to him about that. And so we now hear those testimonies and those miracles, and we continue to pursue that no matter what scale our healing rooms is on. We are here every Saturday morning. Well, I'm not necessarily, but Jackie or one of the teams here every Saturday morning from 9.30 to 11.30 expecting miracles, expecting healing to be released. And we honor you for that. Thank you, Chris. And lastly, I just want to personally honor you and thank you for being our friends and in our lives for many years now, actually, and being with Timothy while he was in school and being like a home away from home for him. So we thank you so much. So would you guys welcome our guest, Chris Gore, this morning? Good morning, whole country. Good morning, good morning. Thank you. Thank you, Elizabeth. Thank you, Tim. Aren't your pastors amazing? Oh, they deserve more than that. Aren't they amazing? (laughs) Thank you for having me. I still don't know whether it's my third or fourth time here, but I do feel like I've come back to uh, family, and I really genuinely mean that. And I said this the other night, but I only stay in hotels just because of the the demand when I go places, there's such a demand and a pull. And, you know, people often want to sit up and if you stay in their house, they want to talk to two or three in the morning and ask you everything, all the questions. And, and then you've got to get up in the morning and go and preach all day. And so I just, it's my solitude and I just, I want to be in hotels. But when I'm here, I'm like, I want to be in the house because these, my friends, Jackie and Bert and Tim and Elizabeth. So thank you so much. And, uh, and Timothy, where are you? We miss you. My pool's really dirty. You need to come back and clean it. <laughs> All the jobs I hated to do, you know. I didn't mind skimming the leaves, but I hated scrubbing the sides, and that was his job. <laughs> he would show up in his graciousness and just scrape my pool down and keep it clean. And uh, So we, we definitely missed you, Timothy. And uh, Not just because of the pool. We just... Uh, we just miss you because we, we love you. So come back and visit us one day. Yeah. All right. Well, this morning, I, um, this morning I'm going to do something that I really don't like to do, and I've ever only done it twice in ministry of 20 years. And this morning's going to be one of those. And, uh, and it is this, is that the second I finish preaching, I'm going to disappear. And uh, I, it's just not in my heart to do that. It's, I love to be with the people. And I booked a, I booked a flight out of here at... Uh, at 5.30 tonight out of Austin, and then I found out that I have to be in a meeting at 4.30 in Dallas. And, uh, and so I've got a 2.30 flight out of uh, Austin. I have to be at the airport at 2. I have, well, the flight leaves at 2.25. So as soon as I finish preaching, I'm just going to whisk off out that door, and you're not going to see me uh, again. So I'm very sorry for that, and uh, I, feel, I feel bad. It is just not. I, I tell my interns all the time is that if you're going to preach and disappear, then you're not a minister, you're a preacher. 
and it's really my heart that I would I would be with the people, loving on the people. And uh, so, like I said, this is the second, only the second time I've ever had to do that. So, would you just give me some grace this morning? And grace, grace. <laughs> maybe we can just be. Maybe I can be supernaturally teleported to Dallas. That would be awesome, wouldn't it? <laughs> I have had that happen once, actually, but we won't go there. I got teleported 30 minutes. Like, I just appeared somewhere 30 minutes and cut 30 minutes out of a journey. It was like, I was so confused. <laughs> I, I was so confused because I couldn't work out. Like, I saw something ahead of me. I saw a mountain ahead of me, and I'm looking at the mountain, and then the mountain just disappeared. And I'm like, where the heck did it go? And I looked in the mirror, and it was like 40 miles backwards behind me just like in, in the flash of an eye, and I'm like, what the heck? I mean, I couldn't work out where I was. I thought I'd taken a wrong turn. I was so confused. So I'm believing for this afternoon. <laughs> I, um, I, I wanted to, uh, actually, before we jump in here, um, the product will still be available when I leave um, today, the perfect gift. It's, uh, if you're, uh, this is just, uh, this is powerful. I, I, I still can't read this. I've read, I can't get past the introduction without crying. I wrote it. I know what's in there and I still cry. And uh, so that is, that is out there and it's just a very heart-moving uh, stories of families that have had significant breakthrough and how it's changed their lives and changed their family. And then uh, they're written by the parents of the kids. And then I actually teach into each, to- into each story at the end. There's a teaching point into each one. So then I, I write, they write the first half of the chapter. I write the second half of the chapter it's got videos in it as well. There's seven videos. You just hold your camera over the top and it will start playing a, uh, playing a YouTube video with, of me teaching and the special needs baptism. And, and uh, if you buy, if you buy uh, they're $20, uh, 19 I think they are. If you buy one, you're actually going to get a second one for $7. And it's just, there's just one condition is that I, I want you to buy one for someone else and then I will sell you yours for $7. All right? So you get two for $27. And that's... They are on Amazon, but they're $20 a piece on Amazon, okay? So is there a, is there a, a family here that has a, some, a family of a special needs child that has did not receive this yet? Here we go, ma'am. Give, give both to her. Just give one away to someone. Less one, someone. And then there's my book, Walking in Supernatural Healing Power. Uh, those are out there as well. And uh, I just like to see the weird taken out of the supernatural and Jesus put back in, that it doesn't need to be supernatural, doesn't need to be spooky. It's just, it should be the most natural thing that believers get the ability to walk in. All right, this morning I, I want to share a few thoughts with you. And it's, uh, it's a little journey that uh, I've been on, and it's really more of a journey of a, of a lifetime as opposed to just a seasonal thing. Uh, and that's really beginning to understand the Father's heart and what the Father's heart is and what, what you know, the, and really beginning to know God, not just as God, but, God, but know God as our Father. You know, God is, God is so immense because He's God. I mean, He's so immense that He can hold the world together in one hand, but He's so intimate and gentle that He can hold you in the other because He's not just God, He's actually our Father. And, and many people know God, or they would say that they know God, but they think of God as some as some distance, some distant Father that's you know that's abstract. He's out there somewhere that we don't really connect, get to connect to Him on a personal way. And that's not the heart of God. God is is that He is God, 
but he is our father. He's the very present, close father. Now, I, I have a great dad. I have a very great biological dad. My dad is still alive. My granddad is actually still alive. My granddad and my grandma are still alive. They're 95 and been married 72 years, and they've just got no sign of wanting to slow down. <laughs> they just keep on going. It's, every time I see them, I think it could be the last time, but I've been thinking that for 25 years. <laughs> they, they, they just keep going. So I, I have a great heritage of a, of, a, of a great father and a great grandfather who's, who's been such a blessing in my life. And yet, yet so many of us don't have great fathers. And we haven't had that heritage to lean on of having a great father in our life. And I want to tell you is that whether you've had a great father or whether you've had a bad father, your heavenly father is nothing even like your good father. He is way better than your good father. And I've been in this process of, of really pushing in. Like I wanted to see greater miracles. I just, I have such a hunger to see people healed. And I went to, I went to my overseer. Uh, not that long ago, and I said to him, his name is, he is, his name is Dan, and he's, a, he's a, a graduate out of Fuller Seminary, and he's been at Bethel forever. He's been there longer than Bill. And uh, I went to him, and I said, uh, Dan, I said, I really need, I, I just really want to push in to see greater miracles. And he said to me, you know, he said, I think it'd be really good for you just to push in for a greater revelation of the heart of the Father. And I, I took that to task, and I, I began to push in like, God... I need a greater revelation of your heart. See, we would never need to discuss the theology of healing if we had a revelation of the heart of God. If we had a revelation, I didn't say theology is bad. I happen to love theology, but we would never need a the, we would never need a, a greater revelation. We would never need the theology of healing if we just knew what the Father's heart was towards each one of us. And I began to push in on this, and and during this process, um, about maybe about a year ago. I had, a, I had a dream, and in the dream, that's how the Lord speaks to me most profoundly is in my dreams. I wish it was every night, but it's not. Um, but in the dream, a voice comes, and it says, yet it was the Lord's plan to crush him and to cause him grief. And then, then the voice goes on, and it says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Now, we, we all know that those are both Bible verses. It's Isaiah 53.10 and Hebrews 12.2. But when he, he didn't give me the Bible references, he, the voice just came and he just rattled them off like that. But then it's, when he says, for it was the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He then said, that joy is you. And then the verse repeated. And it was probably somewhere between three and 5,000 times in the night. He went over and over that it was the joy that was set before him that he endured the cross, and that joy is you. It was for the joy that was set before him that he endured the cross, and that joy is you. I probably got that line between three and 5,000 times in one night. I tell you, I woke up feeling like I had been tormented by goodness. <laughs> it sounds like an oxymoron, right? It kind of is. I mean, I had been completely tormented by his love. I mean, I woke up feeling like, okay, God, I've got it. I've got it. Okay, I've got it. I've got it. I am, I am your joy. See, I, I think that the greatest thing for me is that, is that to see believers come into a place of, of just knowing how much their father loves them. That he's this heavenly father. He's a present father. He's proud of us. He's not wild at you, but he is wild about you. And I was just saying to Jackie the other day that 
my youngest is gone now. I'm, 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 I'm an empty nester apart from my oldest, but my youngest two have gone and, and she's a sophomore in college and I, I've never, this is hard to describe, but I feel like that the father heart side of me has come out more so since they've gone than when they were at home because we can get so busy wrapped up in the just the this and that and the sports and you know everything we're doing and when they've gone it's like it's it's really easy and I look back on my life and realize that most of my failures as a minister I've been a minister now for 20 years that most of my failures as a minister are because I haven't I haven't correctly portrayed the heart of a father and I realize that most of my failures as a father, as a dad, are because I haven't correctly portrayed the heart of a father. I didn't say I, knew, I didn't say I'm a, I was a bad father. I don't think I was ever a bad father. But I realized that I could have done better. And most of them is because I really, I never really. There was times where I know that I never revealed the heart of our heavenly Father. And I've just been pushing in for this. It's like I, I like who God is to you, He'll be through you. And I've just been pushing into that to get a re- greater revelation of the Father heart that I can be that to people that are around me, that I can portray the loving heart of God. See, He's strong because He's God, but He's never tough because He's our Father. He's gentle because He's God, but He's never soft because He's our Father. He's so mighty that He can hold the world together in one hand, but He's so gentle and intimate that He can hold you gently in the other. He's unshakable, He's indescribable, and He's undefeatable. I want you to turn with me this morning to the book of Luke, chapter 15. This is just one of my latest favorite stories. One of my favorite scriptures, by the way, the scripture in Exodus that I read over communion. You don't wear sandals in Texas to the communion table, you wear boots. Come with your boots on to the communion table. Get ready to be delivered. And we don't, I haven't seen anyone with sandals here. It's like, first time I came here, they said, you're not allowed back until you get boots. So they took me shopping and bought me some boots. But I had to go somewhere before here, and I couldn't fit my boots in. I had a luggage problem, so I got these kind of like wannabe boots. But, <laughs> but I do have real cowboy boots. I do, I do. <laughs> All right, here we go. And Luke chapter 15. It's a, it's a wonderful story, and it says this. It says, Then he said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said, Father, give me the portion that falls of goods fall to me. So he divided his livelihood. I was just stop there for a moment. The, the son comes, and he asks for the father's portion of the inheritance. The, the first thing that jumped out of, to me here is that the father's not a controlling father. He's not a controlling father that didn't give his inheritance. He's a loving father. I think it's pretty hard to be controlling and loving. I don't know that it's actually possible to be controlling and loving. And he gives the son their inheritance of his goods, and the son departs from the father. See, we have in life, we have free will. He's not a controlling God. If he was a controlling God, he would have put one tree in the garden. He didn't, put two, he didn't put one tree in the garden. He put two trees in the garden because he's a loving God, because each one of us have free will. Now, just because we go the wrong direction, it, it doesn't mean it's good for us. But what it doesn't mean is that he still, he still loves us. 
whether we go the wrong way or whether we go the right way, the Father's heart is still for us. He is still for us. He is still madly in love with each one of us because that Father heart doesn't change. And I tell you, when my girls mess up, it's not that I don't love them. I love them so much. And sometimes we, in our quest to be controlling, we, we tell our kids that I will only love you if you do this, or, or I'm not going to love you as much if you do that. It's like, my friends, that's not the heart of God. God loves you just as you are, whether you're making a big mess or not. His heart is for you, and he is passionate for you. And you might have even taken off from God, and you may be away from God, or you don't even know God. But the Bible tells us in this story that the father in this prodigal son story was looking out daily for his son to return. See, God is... A little sidetrack here is that looking through the scripture, I kind of discovered that God's not really in a hurry, Tim. He's never in a hurry. But there are two places where he is in a hurry. He's in a hurry when he wants to fill his kids. And we see him come in like a mighty rushing wind in the upper room. And he is in a hurry when he wants his kids back. Because we see him, he runs to the son. And the father, the, the son takes off. And he, he blows his life on prodigal living and he wastes his possessions and blows his inheritance. And, and then it says in verse 14, but when, then he spent all he had and there rose a severe famine in the land and he began to be in want. And then he went and he joined himself to a citizen of that country and he went into the, field to feed, the fields to feed swine. As a Jewish boy, you don't feed swine. As a Jewish boy, you don't raise swine. I mean, he really had come to the lowest of the low. He had really come to the end of himself. And then he says, he comes to, he came to himself, verse 17, and he said, how many of my father's hired servants would have bread enough to spare and I perish in hunger? In hunger? I will arise and I'll go to my father and I'll say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me one of your hired servants. Now this is not, This is not the son talking to the father. This is actually the son talking to himself. He hasn't got to the father yet. He's reciting his little speech of repentance of what he's going to say when he gets to the father. And I I can imagine this young man, he'd he'd be walking home and he's practicing this little speech in his head and he's like, He's, he must have all sorts, of, all sorts of thoughts running through his head. I wonder if the Father's going to accept me. I wonder if my Father still loves me. I wonder whether he's going to accept my speech. I wonder how he's going to take it. I wonder if he's going to punish me. I wonder if he's going to this. I wonder if he's probably kicking the stones down the road and I can imagine a little bit of anxiety in him as he's heading to his Father. And it says that the Father, the father sees him. So... He, this speech is well before. This is to himself. He has not got to the Father. In verse 20 it says, He arose and he came to his Father. But when he was a great way off, his Father saw him, had compassion, and he ran and he fell on his neck and kissed him. See, the Father is not in a hurry unless he wants to fill his kids or he wants his kids back. 
because that's the passion of the Father. He loves us because He's not just God, He's actually our loving, present Father. And the Bible tells us right there that He runs to the Son. He runs. Now, I, I love to read what words really mean. English doesn't really do great justice. I really love to delve into what different words mean. And the word run actually means outrun. It means that he actually outran. Well, to outrun means that you're actually running faster than something else. And he would have had to have pulled his gown up which would have been breaking Jewish custom, he would have had to pull his gown up in order that he can run because he outran something to get to that son. See, that's the heart of God. It's that he's the redemptive God and he's our father that he he will run to get his kids back. And he outran. I would like to suggest to you what he outran that day. See, We are in a new covenant. But if you read the old covenant, you can read this in your own time. In Deuteronomy 21, 21, it says this. It says, when the son sins and the rebellious son turns home, that the father is to take him to the gates of the city and they are to call for the elders of the city who would come with a bucket of stones and they're going to shower that boy with stones until they kill him. Now, if you're here and you're saying, well, I'm just a law man, I love the law, then please remind me next time you sin because i got the boys and they're going to take you out the back and deal with you. They've got a bucket of stones out there and we're going to shower you with stones until you're dead. See, I'm so thankful that we're not under law, we're under grace because our Heavenly Father... I would like to suggest to you that the father in this story was outrunning the elders of the city who wanted to stone the son, but the father doesn't want to stone you. He doesn't want to shower you with stones. He wants to shower you with kisses. See, we have a choice. is that you can either be showered with stones or you can be showered with kisses when you've done wrong. And I know what I want. I want to be showered with kisses when I've done wrong that I can run into the arms of my loving Father because I have a righteousness consciousness, not a sin consciousness, that I know that even when I've done wrong, my Father is still not mad at me and I can run into His arms and set things correct. See, the story goes on and it says that he falls, on, he falls on his neck and he kissed him. Go and do some word study on that word, kissed. See, what it actually means is that it wasn't a kiss. Like It was a series of kisses that he did not stop until the sun was clean. He kissed, he literally kissed the boy clean. Now, where had he been? With the pigs. I could imagine that the sun was covered in pig poop and he would have stunk he would have been awful and the father kisses him and kisses him and kisses him until the boy is entirely clean see that's the heart of the father because he's a redemptive father he's not just god he's our daddy the story goes on and then the son said to him father i have sinned against heaven and in your sight My friend, 
the boy didn't come home, the boy came home to repent. But if you read the story, he didn't get to repent until the goodness of the Father was revealed. It's not our repentance that brings the goodness of the Father. It's the goodness of the Father that brings our repentance. It is the goodness of the Father that brings us to repentance, and it's the goodness of the Father that keeps us repenting. Just a thought. And he, so he comes to the Father and he says, Father, I have sinned against you and in your sight, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Now, verse 22 doesn't start off with this. It does not say, Son, you're right. You're nothing but a dirty little stop out who I'm ashamed of, who have done wrong on my sight. You're, not lo- you're no longer worthy to be called your son, my son. You're not coming back into my house. You can go and work with the, the slaves out the back. See, that's not the heart of a father. We have a quote that I stole from Pastor Bill Johnson, and it says this. It says, I cannot afford to have a thought in my head that he doesn't have in his head towards me. If he doesn't have it in his head, I shouldn't have it in my head. And he doesn't have a bad thought in his head towards you, so why should I have a bad thought in my head towards me? And he comes to the, he he repents, and the father doesn't agree. And sometimes we think that we're being a father but we're not. We're not being a good father. We're being a bad father because we are more interested in telling our sons and daughters what they've done wrong. And they come home and they repent and we well, you're going to be punished. I, I don't believe that we, as a believer, we're not punishable. We are unpunishable because of the blood of Jesus. Now, I didn't say I didn't agree with discipline. I've disciplined my kids. And I I know that there's times where I have punished my kids. And these are the things I've looked back on and realized the things that I've done wrong because when I discipline my children, if it hurts them more than it hurts me, I just punish them. It has to hurt the father more to discipline the kids because that's discipline that when I have to discipline my kids, it hurts my heart more than it's going to hurt them. See, that's the true heart of a father. That it hurts us as fathers, it hurts us as mothers to discipline because I, because the blood of Jesus made each one of us unpunishable as believers. See, this is... This is the power of the gospel. My my daughter, I have I have a I have a special needs daughter, and she's on the front cover of that book. And I also have I have two younger daughters. My middle one's just turned twenty one, and my youngest turns nineteen uh, in a, two weeks. And uh, I I just adore them. See my my middle daughter who's 21, she is special needs as well, but she is on the complete end of the other paradigm. Like, she is, she would be classed in the 1% genius range of education. I, I could never have helped her with her homework from about the age of seven. I mean, she was just way past me. I, I don't know, I, like, you're so bright, you're so gorgeous, you, where'd you get that from? She'd say, mum. <laughs> I said to my I said to my youngest daughter, 
just a few weeks ago, I said, you are so gorgeous. Where did you get that from? And she goes, mom. I said, you're so smart. Where did you get that from? And she goes, I said, you got some brains on in there. And I said, where'd you get that from? And she goes, mom. I said, what did you get from me? And she goes, taught me how to do barbecue. <laughs> hey, that's what's important, right? <laughs> I taught her a good habit of how to, how to cook a good steak on the barbecue. See, my, my daughter, she, she's so smart. I mean, she, she's so smart that at the age of five, we took her to an institution for her to be tested because every parent thinks that the child's gifted. Right? <laughs> so I thought, well, we're going to get it tested. So we took her to this organization to get tested, and she undergoes this four-hour examination, and the doctor phones us up and says, uh, your, daughter's, uh, your, daughter's not, uh, your daughter's not gifted. And we're like, all right, you know, well, we, it's just my biased opinion. I just, you know, thought I'd send her along, you know. And they're like, well, she's not gifted. She's extremely gifted. And I'm like, oh, dear God. <laughs> You're going to have to help me parent this one. They said, do you know at the age of five, do you know how her thought processes think like? And I'm like, huh. I don't know. I don't know that I want to know. At the age of five, she had a thought process of a 16-year-old. Now she's 21, right? She's like, she thinks different. She has different views to me. She has different political views to me. She has different religious views to me. She is different in every, in so many ways, she is so different. But But here's what happened, is that she's just like an independent thinker. I, I can't vote. I'm not an American yet. I can't vote. And I wouldn't tell you who I would vote for if I would, but it's because it's irrelevant. But it's not who she'd vote for. And she, she, she is an American, and she can vote. And she particularly wanted to vote because she wanted change. And, and whenever we get together, we would end up talking about politics. And we would end up almost in an argument every time. We'd end up distancing from each other. We'd both end up in this heated discussion because we have completely different social views, political views, financial views. I mean, she just despises the rich. I mean, she's, she's just an interesting character. And what I found was happening is that, that I was pushing her away from me. See, we have a choice is that you can either be dead right or you can have a relationship. And I realized that in my quest to be dead right, I was losing relationship over something that at the end of the day, I really don't give a rip about, politics. Yes, I will vote when I become an American citizen. But my relationship with my daughter is way more important than who's in power that my relationship with my daughter is way more important than social views or financial views or whatever views they are because our, our number one priority should be relationship. That I'm just not interested in being dead right. And now I found my daughter coming back to me. And it was never estranged. Please don't, please don't think that. But now, now we text each other and she talks and we FaceTime. And, and, but one night she, she texted me and I'm just ready to preach. Now, incidentally, if my children phone me why I preach, I actually answer the phone. Because I actually want my kids to know that the Father's always accessible. 
I'm not going to go out the back and talk for 20 minutes, but I am just going to turn off the mic for a second and have a quick chat, say, hey, is everything all right? And they go, yeah, Dad, what you doing? I'm like, I'm preaching. And they're like, you took my call to preach. And I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm like, that's okay, everything all right? I'll call you back soon. And I'd, I'd hang up. Because I want my kids to know that Dad's always accessible. Because our Heavenly Father, He's always accessible. Because He's not just God that He's so busy trying to change the world. He's actually our present Father in the time of need. That he can be the comforter and the deliverer and he can be the counselor and he is he is right there to be with us when when we need him. And my, my daughter texted me one night and she said, Dad, she says, I, I'm just super stressed. She said, I'm really I'm really having a bad day. And I, I'm about ready to preach, not quite what you want to hear, you know, a distress call right before you preach and you're trying to get in the zone, you know. And I'm like, What's going on? I texted her back and I said, why don't, why don't you just come home for the weekend? She goes, Dad, I can't. She says, it's because I'm broke as well. She said, I've got to work tomorrow. She's two and a half hours from home. She goes, I can't because I've got to shift tomorrow and I actually really need the money and I can't come home, but I'm just so stressed. And I'm like, well, how much are you going to earn for your shift tomorrow? And she goes, $50. I'm like, you come home, I'll give you 100 cash, tax-free. I said, just come home and, and put, the, put the gas on my credit card and come home. And she goes, oh, but I need to find someone for the shift. And I'm like, well, find someone for the shift. Let me know. And in the middle of preaching, she texts me and she goes, Dad, I've got someone for my shift. I'm coming home. And during preaching, I can multitask. I'm a smart guy. And I know some men can't, but I can. I texted and I'm like, good. Because I want to shower you with kisses. And she goes on Twitter. She puts some things on Twitter that I do not want to see. I'm like, oh, God. (laughs) Is she really mine? (laughs) And she goes on Twitter. And this is what she puts on Twitter. She goes, I wonder why I have such high standards for guys. And then I realize it's because my dad shows me how I deserve to be treated. (laughs) win for dad that day (laughs) right now I'm blocked on her Twitter (laughs) they go through seasons where I don't know what I've done wrong but there's seasons where I'm blocked and I'm not blocked and right now I can't see her Twitter (laughs) I'll never comment on her Twitter. I don't even know that she knows. I don't even know that she knew I had a Twitter account. I had a Twitter account just so I can see what my kids are up to. (laughs) It's like, I don't know why I've got a Twitter account now because I only got one friend. It's here. (laughs) See, the the father, he, he doesn't call the son out on his sins. And it's so easy as parents to remind our kids when I'm talking about kids, I'm not just talking about our biological kids. I'm talking about the church, our role as a pastor. It's so easy to be calling people out on their sins, but that's not God. Because the father in this story did not remind the son of how bad he was. He actually turns his deaf ear. Because the, the son says, I'm bad. I'm, I'm repenting. I've done this, I've done that, I've wasted my possessions. And the father's like, 
Because he never says, you're right, son. And when we're not aligning our thoughts with his thoughts, he turns his deaf ear because he can't come into an agreement with that because when the father sees you, he sees the perfection of Jesus. See, I I really believe that it's not that it's a new day because it should have always been this day. But the role of the father is not to call their, their sons and daughters out on their sins. The role of the father is to call their, their sons and daughters out on their identity. And we need to be reminding each other who we are. But yet the church has become so judgmental that we love to tell each other what we've done wrong. I tell you, I can put a comment on Facebook. I can write something on Facebook and I can sit there and I can watch it and I can get corrected. The corrections will come in. I disagree. You put the comma in the wrong place. You've got bad grammar. You forgot the full stop. At least get the spelling right. They say, I got no time. I, I put a, a comment on Facebook just a couple of weeks ago. I said, it's called Facebook, not hate book, a judgment book. Let our words be sprinkled with kindness and sprinkled with love. See, it's time that I, I we, we've got such a judgmental system. I know that the example has not been set very well from the top. But let's not follow the example from the top. And let's start loving one another. And let's start calling the identity out on one another rather than calling the sins out on one another that we begin to remind each other who we are and who they are. See, the father, he turns to the prodigal son and he says, after he says, Father, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. It says, but the father said to his servants, Bring out the robe and put it on him. Bring out the ring on his hand and put the sandals on his feet. And bring me the fatted calf because we're going to barbecue it and kill it. I think it should say lamb there, actually. <laughs> bring out the fatted lamb. <laughs> no more than nine months old. <laughs> and we're going to bring out the fatted lamb and kill it. See, it does not say bring out a robe. It says bring out the robe. This is the royal robe. This is the father's royal robe because he wanted to dress his son back into identity, back into royalty, that he can march his son right past the servants with the royal robe on so the servants knew that the son had been restored back to the very identity of the father. I tell you, I, I have never... I have never seen or experienced in my life a season where I feel like that the priority of the mothers and the fathers is to begin to call their sons and daughters and begin to call the identity out on them, not call their sin out, but call the identity out and they need to be released into greater identity of who Jesus says that we are. I, I am not an American, but I feel I have rights to say this as an American and it's not any better in New Zealand I am in the process of becoming an American but we have an identity crisis going on in our nation there is a major identity crisis that we can become who we want to be and it's like I can be a woman and you can't tell me I'm not because I am a woman because I said I'm a woman it's like we have an identity crisis going on 
And like any time more than present, we need to be calling out identity and we need to be reminding people what God says about them. Because this is not about self-identification. We are not in a self-identification day. The political system might say we are, but we are not. I am who my Bible tells me that I am. I know this is not a politically correct message. I'm not politically correct. And I have no plans on being politically correct. A few, I'm going to close in just a moment. But a few years ago, the, the middle one, the one I'm talking to you about, she, she did something. And to be honest, I don't remember what it was, but she kind of ticked me off. I was, I was pretty angry. I said, go to your room. And she knows what that means. And she's in for a beating. And she goes to her room. She's in for spanking, I should say. <laughs> it's not our role to beat anyone. I, I don't even believe in spankings now, but that's another subject. And she goes to her room, and, and, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm furious. It was probably over something that, I'd probably had a bad day. It probably wasn't her that had been bad. It was probably me that had been bad. And I was just, that was just like the straw that broke the camel's back. It probably didn't even need discipline. It probably didn't even need speaking to. I probably should have ignored it. It was probably that minor. I said, go to your room and I'll be there in a minute. And she goes into her room and she starts crying. I can hear her down the hallway crying and she's wailing in a room. She knows, she knows what's coming and I, and by the time I got from the lounge to the room, God dealt with my heart. And he began to show me what the heart of a father would do. And I walked into that room and I said, you bend over the bed. I said, you're going to get something today you're never going to forget the rest of your life. And I, I always wear a leather belt and I took off my leather, leather belt and I, I folded that leather belt in half and I bought that up and I bought that down faster than I've ever bought down an axe. I brought that down so fast and so hard. But not across her butt, across my own leg. And I did it again and again and again. And she is screaming her head off. It took 10 hard blows across my own leg before she realized it wasn't her butt that was getting hit. It was my leg that was getting hit. I'm like, please get this lesson. It's hurting. <laughs> And she is screaming and screaming. And on the 10th blow, she realizes that it wasn't her that's getting hit. It's me that's getting hit. And she turns around and she crying. I mean, she goes, Dad, please stop. Please stop. Thank God. (laughs) And I stopped. And I said, Emma, I said, I want this to be a lesson to you that you're unpunishable because of the blood of Jesus that your heavenly father, Jesus, he took your errors, he took your sin, he took your guilt, he took your punishment, he took your condemnation upon himself, that you would never need to be punished again. And I said, and that's how good your heavenly father is. And I embraced her, and it was just one of those special moments that were between her and me, of just beginning to tell her that that I loved her. 
that I cared for her deeply, that my heart is always for her. I was able to apologize for the times that I'd been angry, the times that I had punished her when she should have been disciplined, but I punished her to make myself feel better, like, well, I'm in control here. See, how many, how many conditions are there to the unconditional love of God? None. But yet we've portrayed that God loves us when we're doing good, and he doesn't love us when we're doing bad. He's actually pretty wound up and angry. And that God doesn't love you right now because you're in your sin. My friend, that's not the unconditional love of God. That's the conditional love of God. I didn't say sin is good. Sin is bad. Sin will destroy you. But yet our Father, our Heavenly Father still loves me just as I am. He loves you just as you are. See, what would it look like if we as a body, started correctly portraying, portraying the heart of a loving father. That we started calling our sons and our daughters out on their identity. That the greatest priority of all was relationship, not being right. I've learned to, I've learned to fight my battles. Because some battles are just not worth fighting. Maybe I'm just... Maybe I'm just getting older, but there's just so many things that just like just no longer bother me. Because my greatest priority is my family and portraying the heart of a father to those that are around me. Do you not think people annoy me? I mean, I meet thousands and thousands of people a month. I hear their whinges. I hear their complaints. And some of them are just like, oh, God, why do I have to do this? And it's like, no, because he said, that's why I got you there. That you can be a father to them and that you can love them and you can show them because who I am to you, I will be through you. I want us to, I want us to, uh, we're going to just do two things. And and the second one before we close is, I, I may have to have Carlos help me so I can be transported. You close your eyes and open them and I'm gone. <laughs> Maybe it just supernaturally happened. <laughs> I'll, I'll send you a text from Dallas. But this morning, I, I wasn't going to do this originally, but I am going to do this now, is that this morning you may be here and you don't know, you might know about God, but you don't know God. You might know about God, but you don't know him as your father. My friends, this is, I, I'm just preaching the gospel I know that there's lots of stories of punishment in the Old Covenant, and it could be biblically true, but it's not the gospel. We're in a new covenant. See, you have a choice. is that you can be showered or stones, or you can be showered by kisses. It's your choice. You choose. I know what I want to choose, because I've got a loving Father that when I mess up, He's going to shower me with kisses, and He's going to kiss me clean every time. And you might be here this morning, you say, well, I, I, don't, I don't know Jesus. And many times we don't want to know Jesus because the church has so misrepresented the heart of Jesus that we think that we don't want to know Jesus because we think that Jesus is going to punish us and now, we're going to, now I've got a list of rules that I have to abide by. That's called a sin management program. That's not the heart of the Father because he's not a controlling Father. He's a loving Father. And if, you, if you're here this morning, I, I don't know how you normally do this, and it's probably a good thing I didn't ask because 
I got the mic and I'll do what I want, is that I, I do not do this. I do not say, everybody bow their heads. This is what I say. Everybody open, lift your head. Everybody open your eyes. And I want everybody looking around because we're actually family. And if you're here this morning and you know that you need Jesus as your Savior because you want to meet this loving Father right now with everybody looking, I want you to stand. Just be bold and stand because I want to introduce you to my Father, my very loving Father. We're not here to embarrass you. We're here to love you. Is there anybody that would say this? I need that. I need to know Jesus as my Savior. Just stand and we're going to pray. If everyone here knows Jesus, that's awesome and we'll move on. Bless you, sir. Bless you. Bless you, bless you. Anybody else this morning? You're going to stand with this amazing man. I don't make it easy, do I? I have no intent on making it easy. Bless you, sir. Let me me tell you something. God doesn't want your heart. He wants your life. He doesn't want your heart. He wants your life. And I mean, he's the greatest body snatcher of all times. I mean, he's going to change your life. He's going to turn your life around. He's going to make you into a father. And he's going to pour out your blessings on him. He's not going to punish you for your sin. Your sins are already been punished with. Amen. Anybody else? Before we're going to quickly move on. I've got like three minutes before I disappear. Okay, here's what I want us to do. Could, would you men come? I do want to hug you before I disappear. So would you just come? I want to give you a hug. And someone from the church is going to come talk to you in a minute. If you just come over here. I promise I want to squeeze you before I go up in a smoke. Bless you. Just, just stay over there and someone, someone will come and talk with you. Why don't we all stand together? I, I want to do something I wouldn't normally do on Sunday morning. And I, and I need Carlos. I need you to help me lead in this because I'm... I, I want you... I want you... This will just take five minutes. I, I want you to very quickly... Very, very quickly, I want you to partner up with someone you did not come with. Real quick. Just turn, find someone you didn't come with. Real quick. Okay, raise your hand if you do not have someone. If you do not have someone. Okay, the lady over here. There's one right here. You got her? Okay, you got? Okay. We need, we need a partner for this lady here. Real quick. Here we go, over here, ma'am. Sorry. Over, over here. Over here, over here. Sorry, we're bouncing around like a ping pong ball. Here we go. Okay, real, real quick. I, I, if you're an introverted person, this is going to be like one of the worst moments of your life. <laughs> if you're an extroverted, you're about to thrive. I'm introverted. I feel your pain. Very quickly, I want you to hold hands with them. Hands to hands, both hands. 
And I want you to look into their eyes. It's going to get awkward. (laughs) And I, okay, are you ready? Just one on one. Just two on two. So break up that little foursome there. And that's right. Turn, hold hands. Look in their eyes. If you're single and you like them, give them a little wink. (laughs) All right. Okay, are you ready? We are not doing the prophetic. This is not prophetic, right? What I want you to do is I want you to see them as the Father would see them. I want you to look in their eyes and without saying anything, I want you to see them as God would see them. If Now, not just God, their Heavenly Father, that the most heavenly loving Father ever walks into the room and He hasn't seen them for a while and He holds their hands. What do you think He would say to them? Now, if if you think he'd say, wow, you put on some weight lately. That's not the heart of the Father because that's calling out what's wrong, not calling them out on their identity of what's right. Right? He's not going to look at them and say, you know what? I haven't seen you for a while. I'm pretty disappointed. You know, like I'm really disappointed. You've got a mess to clean up in your life. But that That's not the heart of the Father. See, what would he say? Because he's a proud father that loves each one of us. So I want you to get the most powerful thing that you believe that the Lord would say to that person while you're looking in their eyes. But do not give it to them. Just get it. Okay, go. Take a minute. Yeah, don't give the word yet. Just hold it, hold it, hold it. Don't, yeah, don't hold give it, the word. Hold it, hold it. Don't give the word. Okay, who's got a word? Who saw them as the Father sees them? Okay, this is just a perspective. How does the Father see them? He's not wild about, and he's not wild at them, but he is wild about them. Okay, who's got the word? Okay, who does not? Okay, we've just got a couple. Okay, so the loving Father walks in the room. He hasn't seen them for a while. What would he say? The most loving father who's seen his son. You look at him and you go, wow, dude, you got kind of pretty muscular since I saw you last. <laughs> like, look at you. Like, like, he'd say, I'm proud of you. He said, I love He'd say, I love you. He says, you know what? I may not have seen you for a while, but my thoughts are always for you. He said, there were never a day that the thoughts went off you. He'd say, I think he'd say, if I had a refrigerator in heaven, your photo would be on it. Okay, now, drop hands. And I want you to turn, turn and look at me, because there's a second part to this, but before we give you the second part, I'm just going to tell you, I love you. Thank you for having me. It's been an absolute joy. I love your church. I love Texas. I love your pastors. love everything. Thank you so much for having me. I love you. Bless you guys. And now for the second part of what you're going to do with that word that you just got. God bless. Yeah, how many of you guys got an amazing word for your friend? Okay, don't give it yet. Don't give it yet. Okay. 
Okay, does anybody still need like a couple more seconds? Everybody good? Okay, the word you just got right now is not actually for your friend, it's for you. That what you ask Jesus is to, uh, to what he thinks about your friend, he's just reminding you of how good you are. Amen. Anybody feel blessed right now? Anybody see that coming? Come on, Jesus loves you. You're his righteousness. Amen, yeah. I think I'm just going to get pastor up here. You got it? Cool. Is that it? Yeah, yeah. yeah All right. cool. Yeah. All right. Cool. <laughs> All right. Nobody move because um, this is important. We've got the toolbox up here. We want to sow into Chris's ministry. Amen? Um, for all the amazing stuff he's doing. Um, it was, let me just share on a personal note. I was expecting children with special needs to get rocked on Saturday. We had a service for them. What I didn't expect fully enough and have hope for enough was how much their parents got touched by what Chris was preaching to them. There was freedom. There was power upon it. And let me tell you, that's a people group that the church has not loved too well traditionally. And Chris is sowing into that in an amazing way. So, um, for for nothing else, he's blessing people who aren't always getting blessed. So let's sow into his ministry. The toolbox is right here. If you need to write a check or something, just put in the memo, Chris Gore. We'll make sure that everything gets into sowing and blessing his ministry. Um, I think Tim and Elizabeth ran off to say bye to him, but they may be in the foyer. Uh, get your steak dinner tickets, all that. Have a fantastic week. Love you guys.